Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Good Wednesday morning, Vanessa Denha Garmo, filling in for another day here on Catholic Connection for my dear sister in Christ, Teresa Tamio, on pilgrimage in Italy. It's always a pleasure to be here with all of you. I'm also the host of Epiphany and Ave Maria Radio and happy to uh, sit in this host chair. We have two wonderful guests joining us here today. Dr. Brian Klaus will be with us. He will be talking with us about the human international and the bright future of Catholicism in Africa. And Dr. Brian Klaus is the Director of Education and Research at Human Life International. He's a graduate of West Point, a former A-team leader for the Army Special Forces, the Green Berets, and a PhD in Civil Engineering and Systems Science. Since 1995, he has been the Director of Research and Education as one of the most accomplished and respected intellectuals in the international pro-life movement, best known as an author of the most exhaustive pro-life inform- informational resource volume, The Facts of Life, and for his pro-life basic training course, Brian is the author of nine books and more than 500 scholarly and popular articles. He has traveled to seven countries on six continents as a pro-life speaker, educator, and trainer. So we'll be talking with Dr. Brian Klaus here today on Catholic Connection. And as always on a Wednesday, uh, Joan Lewis will be joining us here on Catholic Connection, author of Joan's Rome. She joins us every week to give us an update on the Vatican. And we'll be talking with her about the papal audience as well as the papal pleas for an end to wars. And uh, maybe Sunday's World Day of Poor Mass this Sunday, we'll talk with her about that and so much more. Uh, I, you know, there's still a lot of talk and articles being written and commentary about um What's going on with uh, Bishop Strickland? As we know, uh, Pope Francis removed him as the bishop from his diocese. And there's a lot of commentary and speculation. And we got to be very careful about these conversations that we're having. And we have to really inform ourselves of what's going on. The National Catholic Register, EWTN, we're, we're constantly trying to keep up to date of what's happening and looking for reports from the Vatican. Um, uh El Cresta had a wonderful interview the other day on Cresta in the Afternoon with Matthew Bunsen from EWTN. I really encourage you, if you haven't listened to it, you can go and listen to it in the archive section. But we have to just kind of keep abreast so we can have these conversations because they're going to come up with our family and friends as we head into the holiday season with Christ at the center. And I was recently listening to a podcast where Father Ripiger was being interviewed and, he, you know, the question that the host asked him uh, is something that I wanted to share a clip of his answer. And he's in the, and the host asked him, so what do we do now? Where do we go from here uh, with what's going on with the situation with uh, Bishop Strickland? And, I, you know, Father Ripperger's comment, I think, is so important because we have to not only keep ourselves informed and educated on the teachings of the church, right? And that includes reading scripture every day in the catechism of the Catholic Church, but we have to to focus on our relationship with Christ and our own faith and not get caught up with things that are out of our control. So Andrew's going to play the clip for Father Ripperger. 
Well, uh, let me just make an observation. I think the first thing to do is educate themselves. This is one of the reasons why I asked Ryan, to, I commissioned Ryan to actually do that translation of the uh, the um, the uh, on divine tradition by uh, Franzlin is because of the fact that if you actually understand the tradition, and then also if you if you know if you've read some of my stuff or you don't necessarily have to read my stuff, you can just look at some of the citations and go read the other authors because all I'm doing is taking the tradition and bringing it into the modern world so that people can actually see these are, these are kind of the parameters. In the precision, if you know when the Holy Father or some bishop is acting outside his legitimate authority, then if you, you, you it doesn't bother you as much because you actually see it. It's when we don't know, or when we, or, you know, when we're not certain about what he's doing, or that we think that he's misusing his authority or is, is acting within his authority, that people start getting upset. And I think my my basic attitude is: well, if you actually know the parameters of their authority. That is uh, the odd personum, who they have authority over, and then the odd ram, the things over which they have authority, because no authority is absolute, not even the popes, um, except the only person who has absolute authority is God. So this is, once we recognize that, and then we have a precise knowledge of our faith, and we have a precise knowledge of exactly where those limits are, I think just educating ourselves will take a major edge off of it. So recently, I mentioned in an interview that people also have to start becoming detached from the state of the church, because even though we love the church and we have to fight as much as we can for the good of the church and do everything we can for the good of the church, the fact of the matter is that if we're uh, attached to everything being perfect in the church, it's going to destroy us spiritually, and that's going to upset our spiritual peace. Um, so I think just working on detachment. And here is one last thing that I that I think Ryan and I have even talked about. You know, my Ryan, he's the historian here, and he might know a little bit more than I. But you know, I can't imagine your average peasant in, although maybe they did because they probably were more educated than than we let them uh, give them credit for. But your average peasant in medieval Europe didn't know probably in some cases even the name of the pope and if they did know the name of the pope because they probably heard it in the canon um they may not even know what he was up to and what he was actually doing and except in so far as is maybe they might have heard stories or stuff here and there but the fact that we know when the pope is sneezing today is a huge problem because what's happening is, is people are just hyper focused on the guy rather than leave letting leading their catholic life look Unless the Pope speaks infallibly, or unless he speaks in a matter that the theological note is such that you're bound to take a look at this thing and read it, the better thing to do is just ignore that. All Everything's necessary to salvation has already been revealed. Just live your Catholic life and stop tuning into all that. I think That's one of the principal ways I think that people can kind of start calming down in all of this. What great advice. Live your Catholic life and do your research. Understand the faith. And Teresa and I talk about this all the time when I'm on with her on In the News. Do your research. Know what you're talking about. Know your faith. Read scripture every day. Read the Catechism of the Catholic Church and live your Catholic faith. Yes, does this kind of stuff upset us? Does it cause us to talk and have commentary and speculate? Sure. And it's going to come up, I'm sure, in some Thanksgiving dinners and Christmas dinners. But we have to take these conversations with Christ at the center, be loving and charitable, but focus on our own faith journey. Focus on our own relationship with Christ. Focus on constantly growing in faith and knowing our faith and knowing the teachings of the church. That is first and foremost. 
read scripture every day, read the Catechism of the Catholic Church, stay educated, listen to Catholic radio, go to EWTN, read the National Catholic Register. There is a wealth of resources out there to help you keep informed and on your faith journey, focus on Jesus Christ. So let's do that every day and encourage our friends and family to do the same and pray Always, always pray for the church. It is eight minutes past the hour here on Catholic Connection. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for Teresa Tamio, and now it's time for the news. Taking a brief look for a look at the forecast across the country, I'll give you some of the highlighted temperatures in some of the states here in Michigan and the Detroit area. My hometown, it's a high of 59 degrees and partly sunny skies. Cincinnati, high of 69 and sunny. Sunny in Chicago, a high of 63. St. Louis, a high of 71. Memphis, 67 and cloudy skies. New Orleans, 63 and cloudy skies. Houston, Texas, 73 and sunny. Rain showers in Miami and in Tampa, a high of only 78 in Miami and 77 in Tampa. Tampa. And if we look at San Antonio, sunny in 75, El Paso, cloudy, 73, Phoenix, Arizona, high of 86 degrees, but cloudy skies, Los Angeles, rain showers are expected all day with a high of 67, rain showers in San Francisco, a high of 64, Seattle, sunny and 47 degrees, Boston, high of 51 and cloudy, New York, cloudy and 54, and Washington, a high of 60 degrees and cloudy skies. The House has passed a stop-gag bill that will prevent a government shutdown. On Tuesday, the House voted in favor of a Republican plan to fund some departments until mid-January and the rest through early February at a current spending levels. The bill now heads to the Senate, where it has bipartisan support. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he would pass the legislation as soon as possible. Virginia's Attorney General is joining a group of Attorney Generals from around the country targeting student visas for those who support terror groups. Sarah Bartlett has more. Jason Miaris is among 20 state attorneys general who say foreign student visa holders found to have endorsed terror activities should have those visas removed. It comes during the continued war between Israel and Hamas. In a statement, Miaris says the attack on Israel cannot be justified or rationalized. He added that supporting or endorsing the terrorist organizations who committed the acts is not only immoral, but un-American. He says student visa holders supporting them do not deserve the privilege and opportunity provided to them. I'm Sarah Bartlett. New York University is being sued by Jewish students over anti-Semitism on campus. Paul DeCastro reports. A lawsuit was filed Tuesday by three Jewish students at NYU claiming the university has failed to protect students from egregious anti-Semitism that has worsened since Hamas's terror attack on Israel back on October 7th. According to the lawsuit, the school's Jewish population has been harassed and is feeling under siege as they've been confronted with chants of Hitler was right. An NYU spokesperson says the university looks forward to challenging the lawsuit's one-sided narrative. The damaged section of the 10 freeway near downtown Los Angeles could reopen in three to five weeks. Governor Gavin Newsom says the burned area will not need to be demolished, but rather shored up. A fire at a pallet yard under the freeway last Saturday, believed to be an act of arson, damaged an area used by 300,000 commuters each day. No arrests have been made. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is warning that steep budget cuts are coming because of the migrant crisis. Scott Pringle reports. Mayor Adams says he's being forced to enact what he calls extremely painful cuts 
Schultz. He's expected to release details in a budget modification plan Thursday. A few months ago, Adams announced that that November plan would include 5% budget cuts for all city agencies. And this is due to the high cost of sheltering and providing service to migrants. The mayor's budget office predicts the migrant crisis could cost the city $12 billion by mid-2025. A man has been arrested in the death of a hockey player from Minnesota who was fatally injured during a game in England last month. Adam Johnson died last month after another player's skate cut his neck in what was called a freak accident. South Yorkshire police announced on Tuesday a man has been arrested on suspicion of manslaughter in connection to Johnson's death. Johnson played for the Pittsburgh Penguins for parts of two seasons. The trial of a mass shooting is getting underway in Norfolk, Virginia. Scott Kimbler reports. Jury selection now underway for the suspect accused of a deadly mass shooting in Norfolk. Zayante Palmer allegedly shot five women in Young Terrace back in 2021, killing three of them. He's facing numerous charges, including second-degree murder. Prosecutors say Parker first shot his girlfriend in the shoulder, then opened fire on the four other women who came to help her, including her mom, who was among those killed. Sales of electric vehicles are slowing down. The October report out from CarGuru shows that electric vehicle inventories on car lots are up more than 500% from last year, despite government incentives. For many, the cost is just still too high. Even though the price of EVs is falling, they are still on average more expensive than a gas-powered vehicle. The Federal Reserve will likely make deep cuts to interest rates this spring. That's according to a new estimate from the UBS Investment Bank. The cuts could come as early as March. UBS said easing inflation could pave a way for a 2.75% decrease in the interest rate over the year that would almost have the current nearly 5.5% rate. If you've got travel plans across the Thanksgiving holiday weekend in the Midwest, you won't be alone. We're about 2% higher than last year. This will be the fourth highest record for our region since 2005, with an expected 85,000 more travelers from our region heading out over the Thanksgiving holiday. Triple A's Brian Ortner, he says the busiest times to drive will be from late afternoon through early evening on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and again in the late afternoon on the Sunday after. Triple A says those who will be driving will see gas prices lower than last year. It is 14 minutes past the hour here on Catholic Connection. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for Teresa Tamio. We'll be right back after this. He is honored by the church as a saint with the title of the angelic doctor. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote a basic textbook for young theology students that became the church's most famous guide to the faith, the Summa Theologica. It helped him earn the title Doctor of the Church. He died in 1274. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. 
Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Finding good health care, encouragement for healthier living, or solid spiritual direction can be frustrating. That's why the Catholic Healthcare Alternative, CMF Curo, is offering a health sharing option. Curo's Christ centered wellness services include Catholic wellness coaching, spiritual direction, and a Catholic community supporting your health and wellness needs. Visit CMFCuro.com to learn more. That's CMFCuro.com, where you can experience Christ's healing love in your health and wellness. Joining us now here on Catholic Connection is the Director of Education and Research at Human Life International, a graduate of West Point and a former A-team leader for the Army Special Forces Green Berets and a PhD in Civil Engineering and Systems Science, Dr. Brian Close. Thank you so much for joining us here on Catholic Connection. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's a, it's a pretty big thrill. Yes. So let's talk about Africa, a bright future for pro-life Catholicism, shining beacon of hope. So what's going on here? Well, Africa has the most major and minor seminaries in the entire world. That's uh, 86,000 seminarians. Can you imagine that? Wow. That's a lot of seminarians. Uh, when I was in Nigeria, someone said, hey, you want to talk to some uh, seminarians this afternoon? I said, sure. I didn't expect, I did not expect 1,300 seminarians in the world's largest seminary, Bagard uh, Memorial Seminary in Nigeria, near Abuja. They have these enormous seminarians. These these guys are squared away. They uh, they look like priests already. They know their stuff. But what they need is they're very naive when it comes to the filthy tactics of the population control cartel. And that's what we're there to show them, the damage that can be done. All of the holiness in the world is not going to help you a lot if the devil is sitting right there in your back pocket. Amen. Let's let's get into that. But first, what do you think uh, is prompting this uh, large group of seminarians that we could possibly learn here in the United States? What is what is moving them to uh, the seminary? Well, when you meet the bishops and the priests there, they are very, very good. I mean, exceptional. I've never met a dissenting African priest or bishop, and I've met hundreds of them. They know the they know the church's teachings, and what's more, they obey the church's command to go forth and uh, make disciples of the entire nation. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, they take that seriously, and they're ready to go out there and fight for souls. They have mm-hmm. a clear picture of what their mission as priests is. So let's talk about. Uh, the evil that that they're faced there, and what they may na- may be naive about. What are you educating these seminarians in regards to? Well, uh, typically our training program takes three days, and we start with the history, all the way 101 years ago, the rising tide of color against white world supremacy. In 1922, was a book written by Lothrop Stoddard who sat on uh, Alex, uh, Margaret Sanger's American Birth Control League board. Mm. And it specifies in there that uh, Africans are subhuman, that their, their numbers have to be held down while a white race must multiply. In other words, it's a battle for supremacy between the whites and the blacks. 
And this is a book that's still a, a real favorite of the racists today. 1922, you can find it online, The Rising Tide of Color Against White World Supremacy. And ever since then, we've seen this kind of racist attack on Africa. I've seen all kinds of things. In, in Africa, I've seen people, uh, clinics advertising malaria injections, but instead they give the women Depo-Provera. You see the women, my wife is over there with me in Tororo, Uganda, when he went to a hospital there, and these women were so sick because they'd been given several different types of abortifacient birth control, they couldn't even stand up. You see everywhere health clinics that are crammed with birth control pallets of it, but no prenatal vitamins or safe delivery kits, condoms all over the place, these big billboards. I've been to 17 African countries. I've seen at least 50 different billboards that say condoms are 100% effective against AIDS. And so you see all of this evil, and all of it is the emphasis is entirely on sterility. They want Africans not to have children. And when you have a mindset like that, all kinds of human rights abuses take place. Mm-hmm. How how much of a role does the, uh, and I don't want to get too much into the, the political, but we've heard for years that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is very instrumental in, you know, uh, these efforts to sterilize people in Africa. I mean, how true is that? Uh, to tell you the truth, there are so many groups that you really can't tell them apart anymore. Okay. Uh, a little a little country like Burkina Faso, for instance, has 84 different population control groups. Wow. So what you can see is a stew of all of these groups that cooperate. Uh, they often uh, do missions together to hold down the population of a particular country. And the money that pours in there... It's over $150 billion, that's alien with a B on it, to hold down the population in Africa since 1991. So there's all this money, and it's like, it's just impossible to trace. Mm -hmm. There's just so much of it. But uh, I find it interesting, we spent $150 billion on holding down the populations of Africans, and yet more than 300 million Africans, nearly a quarter of them, don't have clean drinking water. And that's a number one. That's a number one health uh, measure you can take to improve the lives of the people. They don't care about that. All they want is less Africans. Yeah. Well, that's part of the, probably their population control is not to get them clean drinking water, uh, you know, and not to keep them healthy. So, is your is your um, efforts targeted towards the seminarians and the priests to educate them, or is it uh, the community at large as well? Well, there's uh, you can go high, you can go low, you can go middle. So high is when you try to meet with the parliamentarians, which we sometimes do if they ask us to. Low is, of course, organizing people for marches and so on, which is completely ignored by the government most of the time. So what we do is we go for the middle, the people who will influence thousands of others during their lifetime. So we're talking about priests and seminarians primarily, teachers and principals, doctors and nurses, and attorneys, people like that. The middle-level people is who we connect with the best. Mm-hmm. And how, you know, how important is it for Americans to understand what's going on in Africa? Well, whenever you talk about Africa in the United States, you can see people's eyes just glaze over. They really don't care all that much. 
And I really can't blame them because there's so much going on here right now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Just so many disasters going on at one time. uh, You don't have much time to think about somebody 5,000 miles away. So it's unfortunate, but I don't blame people for not really caring all that much about what's going on when you have so many troubles at home. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more. Give us an overview, and including the work you do in Africa. You know, Tell us an overview of what the Human Life International uh, does on a regular basis all across the world, not just in Africa. Oh, yeah, all across the world. Well, to begin with, we have a three-day training program on the fundamentals of pro-life. So we start with the foundation of the culture of life, which is training, recruiting, information, and prayer, or TRIP. Then we identify the enemy as filthy tactics. Uh, I have 4,400 dossiers on these organizations that push population control all over the world, everything from UNICEF to CARE, uh, Doctors Without Borders, and all the rest of them. Then we talk about the basic topics, abortion, population control, transgenderism, homosexuality, all of this stuff, all of them designed to hold down fertility. Then we show them how to organize We talk to them about what the Church really teaches, because many of these population control groups simply lie about Church teachings. And so you can have an abortion if you want, as long as your conscience tells you it's all right. Hmm. And finally, we give them a library of essential uh, different types of books and pamphlets and magazines on a little thumb drive, which uh, will give them everything they need to do to study in the future, and sometimes even computers, so you don't have computers. So that's a summary of our training program there. We're talking with Dr. Brian Close here, the Director of Education and Research at Human Life International, a graduate of West Point, former A-team leader for the Army Special Forces Green Berets. And I'm going to talk with him more about uh, identifying the tactics of the enemy, and I'm sure his military training is a large part of how he does that. So we'll talk with him more about that after the break. Stay with us, everyone, here on Catholic Connection. What are the three major sins against the first commandment? The Catholic Catechism lists them as tempting God, sacrilege, and simony. How can we tempt God? By putting his goodness and almighty power to the test. By word or deed, as Satan dared to do when he commanded Jesus throw himself down from the temple. He was trying to force God to act. Jesus rebuked the devil with God's word, You shall not put the Lord thy God to the test. The sin of sacrilege, profane sacraments, and other liturgical actions, as well as persons, things, or places consecrated to God. It is particularly grave when committed against the Eucharistic Jesus. Simony is the sin of buying and selling of spiritual things. It's named after Simon the magician, who attempted to purchase spiritual power from St. Peter. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Father Benedict Rochelle. I'm going to tell you about the most abused woman I ever met in my life. You know her name as Roe, as in Roe versus Wade. I talked to Roe. This woman is a great penitent. This woman is a humble person who was deeply hurt. 
She was kneeling in the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception, the National Shrine in Washington, when I met her. And I thought, what reverence. I didn't know who this woman was, but she was praying with reverence, with great fervor. And I asked a priest friend of mine, who is that? And he says, oh, that's Roe. God is not mocked. This woman was abused by those who propagate the killing of children. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. We're talking with Dr. Brian Close here, the Director of Education and Research at Human Life International. And Dr. Brian Close, you mentioned about, you know, the importance of identifying the enemy and their tactics, their dirty tactics. How has your training in the military, your education at West Point, uh, being an A-team leader for the Army Special Forces, helped you in the work you're doing today? Well, uh, if you look at the different special forces, it's very interesting uh, what their missions are. Uh, if you want uh, to be in the Rangers, you blow things up. If you want to be a SEAL, you kill people who need a killing. Now, if you're in Special Forces, the U.S. Army Special Forces, you teach people how to do that stuff. So you go into other countries and you teach them how to do this kind of thing. And uh, I find that all of the tactics used by the culture of death are exactly the same as one's a communist and other type of, other types of uh, oppressive regimes use, such as uh, infiltration and subversion. Uh, bit by bit, they infiltrate and then corrupt an organization. You see that happening in the United States with uh, the family, the family and the faith, the good churches. You infiltrate them, then you start spreading poison, and over a period of decades, eventually they become very much weakened like the families being attacked by transgenderism, um, being having kids taken away from their parents if they don't support their kids who want to swap genders, and you have all this sex education which tells you not to listen to your parents, listen to us instead. And, of course, on the side of the Church, you have all these dissenting groups like Call to Action, Catholics for a Free Choice, and dozens of others saying, you know, it comes to contraception, when it comes to abortion, euthanasia, just use your conscience. So I have a completely misguided idea of what the conscience really is. Mm. So some, I'll just name several of the other tactics, like gradualism, do things slowly. The victim status is very strong. They scream their heads off when you try to fight back. The privacy right, the illicit privacy right, uh, one-way pluralism, you speak, propaganda, lying about history, violence, and illegal activities. There's ten of them. And so we teach our people how to watch out for these tactics and how to expose them. Definitely sounds tactics uh, that of the uh, enemy. And I'm not just talking about a physical enemy. And I'm talking about spiritual enemy, which we're really fighting against in this world today, right? Not human flesh, but really uh, of uh, demonic forces. So <laughs> just listening oh, to you absolutely. talk about that's why yeah. our Catholic faith and our Catholic teaching is so important to arm ourselves to fight against the enemy. Uh, Dr. Brian Klaus, we know that we have record lows of recruitment in all branches of the military in the United States. What would you say to our listeners about the value of serving in the armed forces? Well, I'd highly recommend uh, any of the armed forces if you want to learn all about transgenderism, how all white people are racist and uh, are out to subvert the country 
and on and on and on. I hear this from people still in the service that are just disgusted with all of the uh, social experimentation going on. Uh, it's it's really gotten bad to the point where the uh, army has been advertising. Um, their recruitment uh, commercials on TV have shown, you know, lesbians uh, bringing up this young lady who says, well, I had two mothers and didn't have any problem with me, didn't cause me any problems, and they welcome this person into the uh, armed forces. Then you have the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Millie, thoroughly modern General Millie and others, saying that uh, we don't want you in the armed forces if you're a MAGA type, if you're a patriotic type. So I can just imagine Russia and China and all of the enemies of the United States just laughing because we're destroying our own morale. Wow, that's really discouraging. So do you think that is a big contributor to why people are not joining the armed forces today in, in this country? I mean, what, what else do you think attributes to the lack of recruitment? Well, just all of this... Uh, all of this woke nonsense. And don't be discouraged. We do win in the end. I've read the book. So uh, <laughs> we do win in the end. But it's interesting that I keep an eye on these commercials. And for several years now, ever since Biden took over, we've seen all of this diversity, inclusion, equity nonsense. But now all of a sudden, if you've noticed, all of the Army commercials have nothing but white men in them doing really manly things like shooting big guns and jumping out of airplanes. And some of the comments are, well, we must be going to war because now they're advertising nothing but white men. Mm -hmm. so it's a really sad commentary if you had your eyes open. And look wow. all around you for the signs. But we do yeah. win in the end. And what we're trying to do at HLI is strengthen these middle-level managers, especially the priests and the seminarians, who do an amazing amount of good. In the yeah. Catholic Church, we have the power to crush the culture of death right now. If only we would have the guts to stand up, get organized, and kick some butt. Yeah, yeah. Amen to that. What else do you want to share with our listeners here on Catholic Connection about the work you're doing with Human Life International, and maybe how can people engage you in the work you're doing and help with the work you're doing? Well, of course, you can pray for us. We always need prayers because we're out there on the front lines, literally sometimes 10,000 miles from home, like on uh, Monday, I'm going to the Philippines for the 16th time. Please pray for us. Please donate if you can. And uh, if you'd like this kind of training, we do it in the United States as well. So please contact us, hli at hli.org, if you're interested in this kind of training. Mm -hmm. It's not only for priests and seminarians in Africa. It's got more than 2,000 years of experience in it for more than 100 international pro-lifers. And it really is the best thing out there. No brag, just fact. So people can get training from you and and work with people here in America. Is that That's how it right. Works? Okay, great. So what kind of people are you looking to train? We're looking for people who's in this who are in this for life. You know, we don't want the curious. We don't want the people who are comfortable. We want people who really want to go to war for the. the uh, the church militant here on earth and mm -hmm. that's what we prepare them for if you go out there and just start doing stuff randomly 90 percent chance you're going to burn out within two years but if you get properly trained like we do it there's a 90 percent chance you'll still be in the pro-life movement in two years mm -hmm. so we'll give you all the t tools you need to do the job we'll point you in several different directions and you can choose the one that you want to do 
Dr. Brian Klaus is, uh, Klaus is who we're talking to here on Catholic Connection, Director of Education and Research at the Human Life International, a graduate of West Point, a former A-team leader for the Army Special Forces, Green Berets, and a PhD in Civil Engineering and Systems Sciences. We have about a minute left with you here, uh, Dr. Brian Klaus. What else do you want to share with our listeners here on Catholic Connection before we let you go? Well, I'd just like to say to everyone out there, please keep praying. We do have the power to win. We've just been intimidated into not raising our heads. So get out there, pray, and do some kind of action. And if you're afraid of going out on the sidewalk, you know, getting involved in that kind of thing, that's fine. I would highly recommend that you volunteer at one of the 3,000 crisis pregnancy centers in the United States. That's 90% of the pro-life movement. And you can go there. You can do everything from counsel women to help with the ultrasounds to sort baby clothes. And that's a good way to get started in the pro-life movement and start learning what it's all about. The CPCs need your help. Amen to that. Dr. Brian Close, thank you for being with us here on Catholic Connection. Thank you very much. And I'm with you. Try to find a crisis pregnancy center like women and unborn, mothers and unborn children. I'm speaking at their banquet uh, this week. Stay with us, everyone. We're going to come back with Joan Lewis. Father Benedict Groeschel. Ah, I love reverence. Wherever I go in the world, I usually go to visit the religious buildings. And no matter what I see, I see reverence. Awe. I've been in temples and mosques where I saw more reverence and awe of God than I see in Christian churches, even sometimes in Catholic churches. Oh, yes. Let me say it. When I was a boy, Catholics were much more reverent and respectful in church. You never, ever spoke in church. I was a young priest. A man had a heart attack at the beginning of Mass. I stopped the Mass. We prayed for the man while the police were coming, the ambulance. They removed him from the church. He didn't die. Not one word was spoken. The police officers and the ambulance attendants who came whispered respect. I wish it were true today. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Now that the abortion problem has been returned to the states, we will most likely be called upon to give a reason for our pro-life activism. But this is more than a mere political issue. It's an opportunity to present the gospel of life. It's an opportunity to demonstrate the kingdom's view of this world and of human life. And the central question in this dispute is going to be, what is the status of preborn human life. Many Christians need to recognize that yes, we have to do the political thing, but we have greater opportunities here. We have an opportunity to engage people about the very meaning of life itself. I mean, that's why John Paul II wrote the gospel of life. He didn't just write some sort of political anti-abortion tract, right? He's talked about the gospel of life. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. It's a Wednesday here on Catholic Connection. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for Teresa Tamio. And a Wednesday means Joan Lewis is joining us from Rome. Joan's Rome is her blog, and she's going to give us an update on the Vatican. Joan, how are you today? 
I'm doing well, very, very well. We have amazing weather here. It was cool for a while, but it's something like 70 today, you Ooh. know, November 15th. Hello. I'm jealous. But, uh, it's kind of cold <laughs> in the houses. Oh, yeah. oh well, well. The interesting thing is living over here, um, Vanessa, if you have your own home and independent heating or air conditioning system, that's fine. You turn it on and off when you wish. But uh, those of us who live in buildings like my apartment buildings like mine, um, when you can turn the heat on and off is determined by the city of Rome. So oh. um, I know it was supposed to go now, you know, had, had October 10th been winter like weather, they would have allowed the heat to go back on. It usually comes on in, in November, but here we are the 15th. It was supposed to be on this morning and it wasn't, you know, so as I say, it's nice outside. I'd be warmer, honestly, on my balcony than I, you know, would in my office. So, Oh, but other well, than that, life is good. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about the papal, uh, papal audience uh, and the papal pleas for an end to war uh, about what's going oh, on in yeah. the Vatican. Well, you know, just given what I said about the nice weather, the audience was uh, in the, um, you know, St. Peter's Square today. And you could see, you know, some people had fall jackets on or something. But remember, a lot of people... The audience technically is supposed to begin at 9. Sometimes the Pope uh, begins a bit earlier. But people have to line up like at 7.30 or, or 8 o'clock, certainly, that the latest to go through security. And it can be a lot cooler in the morning. In any event, it was a wonderful sunny day. And um, the Pope kind of uh, made a, a new point of departure, if you will, on his catechesis. He's been talking for months. I think it's 20-some catechesis. 25 or 6, catechesis on apostolic zeal, pointing to different people, figures, saints, blessed, or somebody who hasn't been, you know, canonized yet. He's been pointing to different figures who embody apostolic zeal. But today he said, I propose summarizing this cycle of catechesis on apostolic, on apostolic zeal in four points. And these are four points that came out in his now almost 10-year-old <clears throat> exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium. That was actually the first uh, first big document that came out in his papacy, November 24th of, um, of 2013. So the first of those four points is joy. And, of course, the name of the, his uh, exhortation was Evangelii Gaudium, means the joy of the gospel. So... Um, in today's talk, what he wanted to stress above all was Jesus is our joy. We have Christ, we have Jesus as our leader. We follow a man, not a program. And he said he's always by our side no matter what. We've got to remember that. And he's there even if we don't feel he's there sometimes. He's there and he should always be our joy. Mm-hmm. And you know- the Pope said the question brothers and sisters, is not whether to proclaim him, but how to proclaim him. And this we can do with joy, just by showing our, our mm-hmm. joy in following mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and living up to what what he taught us. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> very, yeah. very important words. And he does talk about, if you, I think all of us know, and, and all of our listeners see the story of the uh, two disciples who were on the road to Emmaus. And they were filled with joy after encountering the Lord. And that's kind of what the Pope wants us to do. Meet the Lord, you know, in our lives, in the church, in Mass, 
and be joyful because of that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's it's, really it's, a, a, it's an important message too, Joe. Joe, with what's going on, and I, I know you wrote about uh, Strickland too. And Teresa, the reason I bring this up, Teresa and I were talking about this offline. Al, Teresa, and I, and Teresa made a really good point, and she goes, "We really we have to point the faithful to the wonderful saints, the blesseds, and what they taught us about the faith, despite sure. of what's going on." And it, it's it ties in what the Pope is saying. We have wonderful saints to look to for guidance and and to for intercessory prayer, especially when we feel things are out of our control. And I know you wrote about Strickland, but that's an important message about where we need to be in our own faith journeys, despite what's going on in the church. Oh, absolutely, because I see this all the time on Facebook, my dear. When I, I post something, for example, I I posted a whole bunch of links um, on my blog two days ago to um, uh, concerning the Strickland situation, and what I mentioned in the beginning, I didn't go into uh, great detail except to mention the news that come out on Saturday, and the Vatican briefly said, you know, X, Y, Z. And I said, but it's what the Vatican didn't say that has uh, so many of us uh, concerned. They didn't say why a bishop, whom if we have followed his his tweets and so much of what he has written, he sounds like a man filled with joy. He sounds like a man who has Jesus at the center of his life, and, and he wants to bring that Jesus to us. So um, we we hope we all hope we learn more about this. Uh, matter about Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas, simply because uh, the Vatican strips a bishop of his authority as a bishop, removes him from the diocese, but doesn't say why. So, uh, Canon Law uh, 401, Paragraph 1, says that a bishop has the duty to turn in his, his reg, uh, resignation um, to the Supreme Pontiff upon turning 75. And of course, the Supreme Pontiff, I don't remember the exact words now, but, you know, may choose to accept it that day or prolong it a bit. Anyway, and then there's 401, Canon 401, Paragraph 2, that says that there may be other reasons why a bishop would have to present his uh, resignation, and there can be very, one, could be ill health, Two could be a very grave reason, and it doesn't go into details, but I mean, a grave reason could be, you know, a bishop who covered up sex abuse or something. But we don't even have a reason for for Bishop Stricken. But you're both right about we have such a beautiful church. A, we have Jesus. Just go to the gospel and start reading accounts of his life, even if you think you know everyone and have heard it in the gospels a thousand times. We have wonderful, remarkable saints who were just like you and me, you know, born, they were little kids, they learned how to how to walk and crawl and pray and had lives of great poverty, had lives of great wealth, had lives of great troubles and challenges. And yet, <clears throat> because of of what we can call heroic virtues, they overcame the difficult things. So I think we've got to look to the sunshine, uh, I think, instead of the moon in <laughs> and the darkness. I love that. Joan Lewis is... This is beautiful, Joan. I love that. Look to the sun instead of the moon in the darkness. Joan Lewis here with us on Catholic Connection. We have to take a break. We're going to continue with Joan Lewis from Joan's Rome right after this. Stay with us, everyone, here on Catholic Connection. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. 
Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and lighthouse work. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Ciao, amici. Teresa Tamio here. If you're looking for something inspiring to give to someone this Christmas season, or maybe just a little stocking stuffer for yourself, make sure to check out the Ave Maria Radio online store. Plenty of books are sale to teach, inspire, and renew your connection with God. Speaking of sales, my book, Everything's Coming Up Rosie, is 25% off this month while supplies last. So go ahead over to AveMariaRadio.net and click on the bookstore. Happy shopping. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Talking with Joan Lewis here, Joan's blog here on Catholic Connection. And Joan, earlier today, I played a very short clip from Father Ripperger commenting about what do we do now with the issue with Strickland. And he made a really good point aligned with what exactly what you're saying and what even Pope Francis was saying and uh, his audience is that we really have to focus on Jesus Christ. We have to look to the saints as guidance and intercessory prayer. And he said, you know, we should know our own faith. We should be reading the catechism of the Catholic Church. We should be reading scripture so you know it's exactly what you're saying we we there's certain things that are out of our control but there's certain things we can do and that's in growing in our own faith absolutely and and sometimes if there's a, a teaching if if a, a bishop a priest or the holy father says something that that people don't understand uh, what the teaching is of the church you can go right to the internet and find it there's the yeah. catechism of uh, the catechism of the uh, catholic church you know, there's there's canon laws, so the teachings of the church are out there and they're clear. So, but for now, when we have moments of of doubt or un, not understanding something at all, then let's go to those saints who had the same problem, who had the same doubts, and um, and look at Mother Teresa, Saint Teresa. You know, her her years of what she called the you know the dark nights of the soul. So, let's not have our if we have our dark nights, let's look for the bright days, and we find that light in Jesus yeah. and yeah, the and teachings. Ma- so and I Mother think- Angelica, EWTN, she had her own dark moments, oh. her own struggles within the church. And look how, you know, she focused on Jesus and, you know, what she was called to do. And we're all called to do something to evangelize the faith. So let's focus on Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we are definitely called, and prayer is is one of the answers. I think the thing is, though, you know, if we're hungry, we get food to satisfy us, and we can actually feel ourselves feeling better when we've yes. had a good meal. 
problem with prayer, we don't get that physical satisfaction right away. We want the Lord to, you know, uh, solve our issues in a way that we know and feel. And prayers don't always work that way. But he makes them work for somebody. So, Amen. And, and of course, yeah, as you know, the Pope today at the end of his audience uh, had many, many pleas for the nation suffering the horrors of war. And he, he asked for prayers for peace every day. And obviously he began by referring to the martyred Ukraine, where so many have suffered, died, and injured in that war. And then obviously he asked for prayers for the Holy Land. Uh, in uh, in Palestine and Israel, and the Vatican gave you know some of the numbers of the people who have been killed. Obviously, fourteen hundred Israelis killed in the attacks, uh, Hamas attacks on October seventh, and and since then so many different uh, airstrikes and people killed, people wounded, and you know I think even as we, you and I are speaking at this moment, I believe that the uh, you know big hospital in Gaza where Hamas is supposed to have said had, excuse me, its, uh, you know, headquarters that's being searched and troops are going in there and who knows. People have already died in that hospital in Gaza because there was no more food, there was no more water, there was no electricity. And so if you don't have electricity, you have ventilators and other machines being, you know, just not working and and people dying because of that. But Mm. the Pope also, in his third plea for a different part of the world, he turned his thoughts to Sudan, where 9,000 people have been killed, and here's an even bigger number, 5.6 million have been forced to flee their homes due to a devastating war between, I know, two rival military factions. But, wow. um, you know, I was looking at this news today I'd look, uh, that the Pope's lovely catechesis on joy, Jesus our joy, and then, of course, the, you know, more negative aspect of having to ask for prayers for peace. And I thought, I, I read a story online, and I thought, okay, we got to have a really good news story today. And I don't know if you know, but some thieves broke into a chapel in a Spanish diocese of Alicante in Spain, and um, they returned, uh, they um, stole quite a number of objects. Well, the bishop of the place had uh, let everybody know on his radio show that uh, that this had happened, and he said, we asked for the gift of conversion for those who committed that sacrilege. And today, he told his listeners, I'm going to give you good news. The prayers have been heard, and those who perpetrated the sacrilegious theft have repented and confessed. No way! Wow, I know. Not only that, that's beautiful. They returned everything they stole. (laughs) Wow! So yeah, prayers are powerful, and you know, that's it. That's it. You know, I think we we want prayers to touch us as cold or heat or a warm hand or something touches us, And, and they don't always work that way. But here's a bishop who let his whole diocese know that. Prayers work, folks. <laughs> amen. Amen so, to that. Yeah. Especially when we feel yeah. things are out of control, Joan, that we can't control the circumstances. We yeah. go to prayer and we control what we can control. Joan Lewis, always a pleasure talking with you. Uh, 30 seconds left. Any last words before we let you go? Oh, actually, I do, because I had dinner mm-hmm. last night with a pilgrimage group in Rome, all from the uh, state of Ohio, and every mm-hmm. single person knew of the show, because knew of me, my work, but with Teresa's show, so we 
uh, had lots of pictures taken, and lots <laughs> of people were going to try and tune in today, but they're traveling, so that's uh, pretty oh, tough. But I know awesome. there's a lot of others listening to Vanessa and Joan today. God bless so God you, bless Joan. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, God bless you and all that you do, Joan Lewis, here on Catholic Connection. Have a happy Thanksgiving and blessed Christmas. Well, Thanksgiving. I don't know if you celebrated in sure. Italy. <laughs> in, in Italy. Oh, we okay. celebrate. Okay. Yes, okay. 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 God bless you, Joan Lewis. Uh, thank you, all of our guests, for tuning in, uh, joining us here today on Catholic Connection. Dr. Brian Close with us and Joan Lewis and all of you for tuning in and letting me sit in this host chair. I'll be back in the host chair one more day next week before Thanksgiving, wishing everyone a blessed day. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.